You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Que Golazo, presented to you by Sonos Bean, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Stay tuned for additional details about the Sonos Beam later in today's show. Right then, the fixture gods have blessed us this weekend with arguably four of Europe's biggest derbies taking place on the same day. And I'm going to be looking ahead to all four and much more with the help of this fantastic panel. Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, James Bench, Weekend Preview, Gego Lasso, a massive one begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso Weekend Preview. So good to have you. If you're watching on YouTube, please press that notification bell to keep all those free episodes going. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. And we're on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. Let's begin with the person that showed up first for this taping. Heath Pierce, how are you, bud? I didn't even know it was me, but I'm I'm happy to go first. I'm doing well. I'm really excited about this this weekend's matchups. Obviously, excited to have this group together to to banter it up and uh, look forward to this episode. Absolutely. And let's go next with Jimmy Conrad, who, by the way, uh, right now is getting ready to uh, be yelling at some youth coaches this weekend. Jimmy, is that is that right? That's correct. My <laughs> youngest daughter's U10 girls rec team is taking on I don't a team that like Liverpool of uh, rec league right now. They scored 30 wow. goals, only given up three. It's going to be a tough test for us. We're five, one and one, but I think we're going to have some work to do. So very excited about this this upcoming weekend. So everybody, if, if you can just send me good vibes through through hitting subscribe, putting us a five star review that really helps the podcast. Let's go. Absolutely. Some social vibes, right? James Bench. How are you, James Bench? No, not social vibes. United vibes, United vibes. James Bench, how are you, bud? Uh, I am great. I woke up this morning to my one and only New York Knicks. Here we go. Larry O'Brien trophy. It's oh going to be in the on. building soon. All right. We're going to win the whole thing. It's amazing. Uh, if you didn't watch like. If you didn't want, yeah, damn right. All right, everybody, welcome to Kegolasa Weekend Preview. And as we mentioned, top of the show, by the way, we have some ridiculous games this weekend. I know we say that all the time, but really this weekend is insane. Let's begin with the Premier League as Manchester United, fresh from winning against Atalanta, a great comeback against Liverpool, fresh of winning again as well, a 3-2 win there against Atletico Madrid. Uh such a massive game. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer against Jurgen Klopp. It's just too, too many good things to mention. Let's begin with you, James Bench. What say you in this, this big, big game in the Premier League? I mean, I, I'm pretty much going to hand my analysis for this game over to, to Paul Scholes, who was speaking on BT after that ludicrous. Actually, it wasn't ludicrous, was it? It was so incredibly predictable. That incredibly predictable and obvious 3-2 win for Man United coming from behind, um, where he just said, you know, if you play like this against Liverpool, you are going to get absolutely hammered. And it, it was absolutely right. I mean, the thing is, United look so vulnerable in so many ways right now. Um, the, the attacking build-up play, it was actually all right against At- Atalanta, but but quite often it looks quite stodgy. Players getting in the way of each other. We've spoken about that loads. But, you know, defensively against teams that push their wing-backs up the pitch, that, you know, it's a nightmare. It keeps happening. I mean, you know, look at what Ricardo Pereira did to them um, for Leicester. Look at what Zappa Costa did and uh, Robin Gerstens, was it, did for Atalanta yesterday. And who are they coming up against? Oh, wait, the two of the best 
wing backs in the world, <laughs> you know, something has to give, but it's really hard kind of, and I've been writing about this just now, it's really hard to work out how you go about addressing that when you can't drop Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes has to play. And then you've still got a lot of other attackers you need to fit in the pitch. Dropping Paul Pogba immediately sort of sets off a a, a nuclear bomb of of conversation around Man United. It's really difficult and he's making it so much more difficult. Obviously, he's now got Liverpool fans coming to Old Trafford a few days after he was quite critical of fans voicing their displeasure. You know, I would point out that, that the supporters aren't cheerleaders. They're not there to constantly tell Manchester United how great they're doing when they aren't doing that great. Mm. Meanwhile, Liverpool, are, Liverpool, they're fantastic. They wobbled a bit against Atletico Madrid, but one of the most dangerous attacks in the world against a defence that's been looking pretty inept the last few weeks. I mean, it's only going one way, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that the biggest issue of concern for me is uh, even if your fullbacks are high and wide with Shaw and Juan, Juan Bissaka, you still have this block in the middle that should be strong in a double pivot with Matic and, and, and McTominay. And then when you're sitting in front of Lindelof and Maguire, anytime things happen in transition, anytime that it goes into open play, it seems like an opportunity uh, to score against Manchester United, which is really uh, absurd considering it's not like they, they don't know how to play together. It just seems like there is a lack of understanding as to what to do. There's not really a pressing moment. There's not really a collapsing moment where they say, okay, we've turned over the ball. Let's put pressure on it right away. One, two, three passes. And now you're talking about this front three, whether it's it's uh, Jota or 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 anybody else that, that's playing up there. You've obviously got Sadio Mane and Mo Salah, who are two of the most informed players in the world right now and are just waiting on bated breath for you to give a bad turnover and allow them to spring out and punish you in those ways. And if you look at the way that Manchester United have played, We've talked about it for a while. It's impossible for them to do what they're doing for an entire season. Yes, they're going to have these heroic comebacks that feel really good in the end, but you still have to go into the locker room, look in the mirror and say, hey, we are playing so poorly. And these are fixable problems. And I agree with James Benj that you've also got the personnel problems, right? So you've got this issue tactically, but now you've got what? where do we make the hard change? You've got uh, huge egos on the team. You've got players on the bench and, and Marcus Rashford and and um, I'm – blanking on on my my Edison Cavani as well yeah is that what you're thinking about Mason Greenwood I mean you can take a pick basically yeah and and, I mean you've just got this rotation of players where you're like you actually got one of the best 11s in a few different setups in the Premier League but somehow you're it's going to be very difficult to to gel and 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 blend all of that together into something special and Liverpool right now again are just waiting if you give them one chance they're going to run away with this game from the very start yeah, it's hard to disagree with Bench or Heath about how this game is going to go. And I'm going to give you a couple stats I think we should all think about. I feel like I'm a teacher here right now. But ahead, Liverpool, 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 Liverpool have remarkably scored at least three goals in all seven of their away matches this season. And they put four past United at Old Trafford last season back in May. It was four to two. And... We see how vulnerable United are, as as Benj correctly stated. Like, I don't know how you're going to slow down this Liverpool team. Atalanta weren't good enough to really put the sword to Manchester United. They couldn't finish the game off. We talked about Duvon Zapata having that chance. It should have made it 3-1. He didn't do it. I don't think Liverpool are going to miss those chances. Also, I should mention that uh, Liverpool are now unbeaten in 21 matches, which is their longest run since 1989 under Sir Kenny Dalglish. So this is like the worst time to play Liverpool. And uh, the fact, this is another one for you. Liverpool scored two goals in the first 15 minutes against Atletico Madrid. That's never happened in Diego Simeone's career. He's never given up 
two wow. goals in the first 15 minutes. So they're on something. They got a different gravy, a different sauce going right now. And when I think about how they're going to slow down that right side of Mo Salah and Trent Alexander-Arnold, because that's where they're having a lot of leaky, you know, with Pereira and then and Zappacosta, like they don't know how to slow that down. Who are you going to throw out there? And if you throw somebody out there that's defensive, now you're throwing off your balance going forward. And I don't think that plays into or doesn't help United at all and actually plays into Liverpool's hands. So how are you going to try to pin Trent Alexander-Arnold back? I don't know because I don't know who's going to stand out there. Could be Rashford, could be Greenwood, could be Pogba that slides out there. That's going to be a big question mark. And I think ultimately the wingbacks are going to change the game. And then I think Fabinho versus Bruno Fernandes is probably my favorite matchup of the key matchups in this one because... If you can slow down Bruno Fernandez, you've pretty much slowed down everything Manchester United have. He's the only one that I think is the glue that, that helps in that transition and connects the dots. Everything else feels very individualistic, as we've talked about ad nauseum. So it's, a, it's an interesting game, and, and I think it's a Liverpool with a nice, healthy win in this one. Yeah, well, the narrative seems to be going one way. Manchester United have won just one of their last 10 Premier League games against Liverpool. Jimmy Connard, of course, mentioned that 4-2 loss. And by the way, that Atalanta win, Atalanta invites you to score uh, against <laughs> you, no, no, no matter what the lead is. They, they could be 4 nothing up. They'll be like, hey, how about you score one? Because we don't really want a clean sheet. So there's that too. Hey, last 20 seconds, Jimmy Connor with some betting tips. And then I'll ask the predictions from the boys. I say Liverpool to win. Both teams to score plus 290. I thought was was really good value. I'm leaning on that 4-2 win last season between these two at Old Trafford and the fact that Liverpool just can't be denied in terms of scoring. I do think United will get at least one. I'll go with Mo Salah to score anytime, plus 105. Pretty good value. That would be 10 straight games. Why not? Why not get the 10 straight games, Mo Salah? I mean, there's nothing slowing him down. His confidence is as high as it's ever been. So I like those two, two bets in particular. James, give me your prediction. Um, you normally like us to do this these things quickly, don't you? But I'm not going to because I need to explain. <laughs> I don't care. To... It's more about our producer, Das. He gets angry, but it's it's okay, James. Fire away, James. So I need to kind of oh, I need to go long because I need to explain why I'm about to say what okay. I'm going to say. All right. But you know, my new operating theory is that Manchester United aren't a football team. They're basically you remember those sort of. I'm sure you guys won't remember, but be aware of those old-timey shows i think we always associate them with america black and white and they always end every week with the protagonist in some you know in some oh, great yeah, trap yeah. it's, the harlem, it's the harlem it's the harlem globetrotters it's the harlem how will exactly <laughs> yeah. how will ole gonna you know ole gonna solskjaer right now he's tied to the train tracks the train is approaching but this is manchester <laughs> united He's not getting run over by that train. He's going to wiggle his way out somehow. So, yes, yeah. Manchester United are going to beat Liverpool 3-2. That's the only Char- reason I have for it. He's Charlie Chaplin, is what yes, you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> what do you think, Heath? Yeah, I don't... I don't. Uh, well, I disagree with that. But I, I, I don't disagree wholeheartedly in the sense that I think it will be close. I don't think Liverpool run away with a score line. I think both teams do score. I agree with Jimmy on that one. I think I'm going to go with uh, Liverpool winning 2-1 on this one and having a number of chances that... Ultimately, let Manchester United linger for long periods where you allow uh, potential moments of individual br- brilliance, which could, could thwart uh, my score prediction. But I think in the end, I'm going with Liverpool 2-1 uh, to win this one. Yeah, I'll go 3-2 uh, Liverpool. I think there's going to be a lot of goals in this one. I think that uh, we'll see some beauties. Uh, we'll give us lots to talk about on the re- recap show on Sunday. But uh, I just think there's just too much going in Liverpool's way. Yeah, and by the way, Manchester United have kept one clean sheet all season. So there's that to speak of as well. All right, uh, listen, everybody, we're going to move on now 
uh, to uh, the rest of those uh, Premier League matches. Let's show them up here, Des Norris, as we look ahead to the Premier League this weekend. It kicks off on Friday, of course, uh, with a game uh, very close to James Benjamin's heart as Arsenal host Aston Villa. Then we have Chelsea, Norwich, Palace, Newcastle. Newcastle without a manager, obviously, Graham Jones takes over as interim, but Everton, Watford, Leeds, Wolves, Southampton, Burnley, and Brighton at home to Man City. Anything speak to you there? Uh, let's go with you, Jimmy, and then everybody jump in. Any other game that you're looking for? Forward. Yeah, obviously, Newcastle, my favorite club in the Premier League. We might even be better without a manager, so I'm excited to see how we play against Crystal <laughs> Just Ball. run free, Newcastle. Just, just go. Coach, your, coach yourselves. Coach yourselves. It's fine. Can we get Miguel Almiron to just manage one game? That would That'd be, be amazing. amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, 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 the one for me is 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 the Arsenal game. Obviously, I would. I'm I'm down to sign a petition that Arsenal always play on Fridays. Makes my weekends easier. It's not something I'm. I'm <laughs> oh God! I forgot to I'm, include you in my chat with Villa. Yeah, That's right. You're I, also an Arsenal fan. You know, sorry, I'm they can, sorry. They can play. They can play Mondays. Uh, no problem. They could then play the following Friday. Makes the rest of my weekend easier. No stress. Time, time, <laughs> yeah. time to mend and heal. Uh, some free time in a Friday to. Check out early and just check, you know, see what happens. Roll the dice and see how they do. That's what I, that's my thought yeah. on that. Heath, oh. I apologize to not include you as part of the Arsenal. Sometimes I try and well, block it. Anybody who's saying they want Arsenal to play on a Friday is obviously not that big of an Arsenal fan because that means they're not <laughs> playing any other day of that week. So, uh, you know, you, you can excuse me. Yeah, Ruins Bench, do you concur? When, yes. no, when, when, no, when Arsenal lose tomorrow night, as I, I'm certain they will if they play like Shut that. Shut up. They're not on Monday. <laughs> if they play anything like that, they will lose. And then that that ruins the whole weekend until the game I'm looking forward to, which is on Sunday, West Ham against Spurs. Another, I figured mm. this was going to be one of the four derbies. Apparently we're talking about some French teams. Um, <laughs> West Ham Spurs, always a fun game. West Ham looking really good, but at the moment, and we're recording this before Thursday night's game, but they have struggled a little bit with that customary Europa League hangover. I think they've lost both of their games after Europa League matches, but some depth in that squad and a lot of excitement. I was talking to Nikola Vlasic about um, about this game. They are buzzing for it. I think they're really looking forward to sort of stamping their mark and maybe just proving beyond dispute that that they are the second best team in London. Can, can yeah. I also can I also just yeah, ask how it is that Spurs are in fifth place with a minus three goal difference? <laughs> and how when you if, go look at the table, it's wild. You see teams like six goals six goals against is kind of the consistent theme, and then you have Man United on ten, and then you have. Uh, Spurs on minus three uh, in total goal difference, which is a wild stat if you think. Yeah, about. that's crazy, actually. And actually, they're the only one with a minus differential until all the way back down, uh, you know, to 11th in Leicester City, which is kind of insane. But hey, James Benj's uh, uh, Nikola Vlasic piece you can read on CBS Sports, by the way. All right, let's move on to El Clásico as Barcelona with a very important win, a needed win in the Champions League against Real Madrid, who just went nuts against Shakhtar Donetsk. Uh, this is a big one. Outcome now, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Uh, real quick, by the way, just very quick. I, I, I don't want to get too much into it. But there's also, you know, Kareem Benzema's sex day blackmailing uh, situation going on right now. Kareem Benzema has obviously not attended the trial. Uh, his lawyer, due to professional reasons, obviously, I don't think the lawyer or the judge needs reminding what's happening. But you know, there is that going on in the background as well. Ansu Fati has a new contract. Um, but let me ask you this, Jimmy, let's begin with you. Has I this Clásico, hello, has El Clásico lost its uh, prestige uh, now that obviously Messi has left and, you know, things are not going exactly 
the way always uh, for both these clubs, to be honest with you, because neither have are coming into into this defending the, the La Liga title. No, that's a, that's a great point. I think it lost a little bit of prestige when Ronaldo left. You could feel it just lost that star power. And then, then obviously, Leo Messi leaving the PSG. He scored more goals in El Clasico than anybody else. He has 18. The, the active player that's still involved in both clubs, it's next closest to that is Kareem Benzema that has seven in El Clasico. That said, there are still three Ballon d'Or nominees in this game. There are three Golden Boy nominees. So the stakes are high as well. So it's not going to lack, I think, a little bit of that intrigue and excitement because if Madrid win, they go top of the league. And if mm. Barcelona win, they can move above Madrid and into second place. So there's still a lot to play for. But I feel like we're attracted to kind of the off-the-field drama or the the field the, the, based on the results. Is Ronald Koeman still going to stay? He's kind of got Ole Gunnar's Solskjaer vibes. So he's doing maybe just enough or maybe less than just enough, but they're going to keep him anyway. And, and now it's going to be interesting to see if Barcelona can – kind of parlay a, a pretty solid week. I mean, they beat Valencia, and I thought they showed really good signs of, of kind of looking like their former selves without Messi, of course. But Ansu Fati looked very good against Valencia. Uh, Dinamo Kiev, not a great performance, all things considered, but they got the result. And now they're looking to win back-to-back games for the first time this season in La Liga. And they've only suffered one loss in their eight matches in the league. So as much as there's so much turmoil around the team, this Barcelona team still has a little something that they're not just going to roll over and yeah. die, though, unless they're buying Munich can come in and do their thing. <laughs> Madrid, on the other hand, started off red hot. I mean, insane. But then they had this crazy week where they lost to Sheriff and Espanol. And like, who are these guys? But they've rebounded na- nicely with that real 5-0 smashing of Shakhtar Donetsk, I think, is, uh, is a nice lead into El Clasico. Builds a lot of confidence. And obviously, some, some players that are stepping up that have been fantastic. Uh, Vinicius Jr., Rodrigo, and... and uh, I don't know. I I like Madrid in this one. I don't. We're not asking for predictions, but I, I not yet at least. But I think Madrid. That's okay. You a, can throw it a, in. Well, they have a little bit more in in, a, in some of the other areas where I feel like they know who their best eleven is, and I feel like Barcelona is still trying to figure that out. I mean, just picking up on what Jimmy was saying and and addressing that question of the the prestige and the, the luster of it, it has. I think it's fallen off quite precipitously. I mean, let's be honest. We're doing a podcast previewing the biggest games in Europe this weekend, and we've not started with what is historically the biggest, you know, the biggest yep. game in Europe every single season. But it's yeah. just not now because, you know, going back to what we saw this week, does anyone, any of us really believe that either of these teams can win the Champions League, barring a, a pretty bizarre set of, I mean, set of circumstances? We don't even know if Barcelona will even be in it um, by the turn of the year. I think maybe the pitch for for people that kind of uh, umming and ahhing about it is watching that Real Madrid team and seeing maybe, you know, I mean, none of them will be Messi, the next Messi or the next Ronaldo, but stars that can really add a bit of quality to to, to this game and to uh, the derby and the rivalry on a European stage over the coming years. I mean, Vinicius Jr., I think we maybe have to ask whether he's taken, you know, the leap. Is he now deserving to be named among the best players in La Liga? Um, his form is fantastic. He, he looked really excellent, I thought, against Shakhtar. Add to that Rodrigo, Camavinga. It's quite strange, isn't it, how you're talking about the two teams that used to hoover up the best talent from the Premier League, the best talent from Ligue 1. They're now pretty much the development project teams that are hoping that they can maybe build these stars that might well get bought off them by Premier League teams. So it's very strange and and very intriguing, but certainly worth watching. And also from a Barcelona perspective, just they have nothing if not... um, 
the sort of team you can't take your eyes off in, in much the same way that sometimes when you drive past a car crash, you can't help but look. Yeah, before Heath jumps in, just very quickly on your development thing. I mean, one side is clearly looking at South American talent and others, of course, Camavinga, uh, obviously an exception. But, you know, Barcelona is, I mean, obviously against their own will in many ways, are also forcing to develop fast their Masia group, right? Pedri, Gavi, and Sufati get in that. So there's, there's that angle as well. Heath, how do you see this game? Yeah, I agree. And I, I mean, if you go back to the, the, the Carlos Puyol uh, era, actually go back to when he left and he started taking players away with him to Manchester City, other places like that, saying uh, La Masia is not what it once was. I think that was a problem that, that got swept under the rug for the last years. Obviously, they're trying to force this talent to come through. But when you look at the prestige, there was always a storyline behind it, right? This La Masia thing that was larger than life and it was wholesome and it was good and it came from the church and then you have this you know uh galacticos of big egos big names you have again your 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 sergio ramos your your you, you go back to james Benj's point of like the train that's going to run over uh ole gunner well real madrid were that train right they were this they were, they, they were sort of the antagonist in in this and you had this uh, holier than now barcelona that did everything right and it was quiet and it was all about the locker room and if you didn't fit in you were out but now you have for, for me personally, at least, you look at Barcelona and I, I look at it with the same sort of controversies I've, I've looked at Real Madrid and some of the egos that they have. And it just it's left a sour taste in my mouth in terms of what it stands for to me as a fan. Then you take out uh, Ronaldo and Messi and now it's lost a little bit more. And then you're left with, well, as James Benjamin, Benj mentioned, uh, the, the young players looking at something for the future, which I think is something to get behind. But it's still I, I'm not waking up anticipating this matchup, knowing that there's going to be some you know, hands around the throat, some scrapping, some fighting, some personal pride, you know, a divided house uh, across uh, the United States for, for people who are fans of this. I see a new era of having to almost reestablish what this rivalry means, what it stands for, because neither of these teams it used to have some principles or some moral high grounds that you could get behind if you were sort of a neutral on who you wanted to win those games. And now I'm sort of left confused of saying like they both like it's the lesser of two evils for me personally as a fan right now. Yeah, well, uh, Real Madrid have won their last three games in all competitions against Barcelona, have not won uh, four or more in a row against them since uh, 65. So that could be a big thing for them. And you mentioned Sergio Ramos there, Heath Pierce. I mean, we're talking about Messi's involvement in this game. He also, of course, as you know, basically the face of Real Madrid for so long. <laughs> Who is the lesser of two evils? That's a good question. Des, Jimmy, maybe you can answer it as you give us your betting tips. Lesser of two evils. Well, I guess I was going to talk about Eric Garcia or Lenglet is the, the partner center back. So Rajo is going to be out. And I think that's a big loss. And I think that's where Kareem Benzema in particular can take advantage. Eric Garcia for me, just not tough enough at times, you know, it makes some bad decisions, kind of rash. Lenglet at times checks out and and when you have Vinicius Jr. versus Jordi Alba I think that's a fantastic matchup and Benzema versus PK that's that's a matchup for the ages you know to see these two old guys old war horses getting after it but uh seeing Vinicius do his thing uh, out on the wing I think is going to be really important anyway to my bets I think that Real Madrid are going to win I think it's going to be over two and a half goals and I found that to be pretty good value at plus 245 I could see Ansu Fati Starting this one, he didn't start midweek against Dinamo Kiev. I think they're trying to save him a little bit. It's funny trying to think about saving the legs of an 18-year-old, you know, but uh, now they're learning with Pedri, who's finally hurt after playing 100 games in like six months, that maybe you should roll off these guys uh, every single game, every single minute. But I'm excited to see how Ansu Fati plays, especially against Alaba and some of these experienced players. But I really like what Madrid has. I think they're going to roll out a, a lineup that's very similar to Shakhtar Donetsk. You have Casemiro, Cruz, and Modric in the midfield. I mean, you got those guys that know how to win these games and grind out results. 
And I think that's it's going to be over two and a half. I think there'll be some goals in this one. So I like that bet that I have. I'm going with a 2-1 win for Real Madrid. Again, I think you can't write off uh, Vinicius Jr. in the form that he's in. And because of that, he's making Kareem Benzema better around him, allowed, allowing him to be more isolated, which is exactly where he is. When you have somebody that can stretch uh, defenses behind the line, he just has to pop up in the right spots and know he's going to convert on that. So 2-1 for me, 2-1 win for me. And I actually expect this to be uh, a really good game that perhaps you have some of these young players. Jimmy talked about the experience on the Real Madrid side through that midfield. You have some of these young players now at the Barcelona side that you you want them to get up for these to understand what this game, game means. And you hope that you have enough experience in the locker room with the Gerard Piquet to be able to tell them that pride is on the line. It's kind of like you when we talked about the North London Derby being unpredictable uh, before you look at this one and you go, hey, this is one of the games, regardless of the form you're in, you get up for because this means more than most other things throughout the season. Yeah, I'm going 2-0 Real Madrid. Maybe, I mean, I'm really worried about the state of this Barcelona attack. Serginho Dest was what their best outlet uh, in the Dinamo Kiev win. And careful, James Bench. Bench. Careful, hey, James Bench. Sergio Aguero. I told you, James. I don't like I told you. Hey, Kun Aguero's played 20 minutes so far. He might be up for 30 in this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> Two former USMNT stars, James Bench. What are you thinking? What am I doing? You what did I think I was doing? Um, <laughs> but what I was going to say, that excellent as he was, he maybe isn't the guy that you want to run your offense through as and and cut the one to be on the end of chances. Luke de Jong really struggling. And I think Memphis is excellent, but the, he's not scoring as many as you'd like. They've had, I know this is, this is a league game, not champions league, but they've had the fewest shots on goal on target of any team in the champions league. They're just not creating enough. And I think, you know, you, we're seeing Real Madrid kind of click into gear and get things rolling. So I think this might be a fairly comfortable win for them, at least by Clasico standards. Yeah, and uh, to worsen the news for Barcelona fans, Aiden Hazard and Dani Carvajal did train with Real Madrid, and I think Carlo Ancelotti has confirmed that they will be in the squad. So that's added weapons there for Los Blancos. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got Darby d'Italia and Le Classique. So there's much, much more from Weekend Recap. Kego Lasso, we'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Welcome, everybody, to Racing the Bar, presented by Sonos Beam. This segment focuses on players in these games that we're talking about who have raised the bar this season and taken their game to another level. The boys here, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and James Bench, they're going to select a player, maybe an underrated star, who has exceeded expectations so far in this campaign. And yet, you guessed it, if they have indeed raised the bar. Jimmy Conrad, who do you have? 
Oh, let me tell you, it's an easy one. Vinicius Jr. from Real Madrid. Listen, everybody, in 49 games last season, he only had six goals. This season, in 11 games, he's already got seven. I mean, if that isn't raising the bar, I don't know what is, Luis Miguel <laughs> Echegaray. Ooh, baby. Well, Jimmy Conrad, I see your Vinicius Jr. and I raise. See what I did there? I, raise I, like, I like that. I like that. <laughs> I raise you one Joel Matip, and I know I have our host, Luis Miguel Echegaray, on my side for this. Uh, jo- Joel, he, he's been a good defender all along, but this season, I think he's the best in the league. He's better right now than Virgil van Dijk. This guy is a phenomenon in the air, really composed in possession, and just you wait until he gets a bit of a, an avenue to run down. He just sprints. Or he doesn't even sprint. He rumbles through the middle of an opposition <laughs> defence, finds himself on the edge of the box, play that killer pass. He is, you know, he's Thiago, Fabinho, and Van Dijk all in one player. Fantastic wow. start. Wow. wow. Gee, that is that is raising that. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I, guys, you know there's only one thing you can do more than raise, and that's go all in on this. And I'm going with, <laughs> uh, I'm going with Mason Greenwood. Obviously, his stat, stats-wise, he started the season much better than he is now. But when you look at the team, I still think as a team and Manchester United, with the quality that they have, whether that's Ronaldo, whether that's Jaden Sancho, Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford, when when he's fit and healthy, uh, I, I still think Mason Greenwood is a player that you can't not start in your team. And the quality that he has is showing that he's not really being bothered by the occasion of having these big stars around him who expect the ball all the time. When he gets the ball, he's actually one of the more active ones. His energy is high, and I think he's making the team overall better. And I think we're seeing a new player come out of this. I think it'll be a long season for him with this Manchester United squad, but we're going to see, we are seeing a star in the making that will be wanted by everyone and anyone um, at the biggest clubs in the world after this year. I can't believe all of you are just sticking around, you know, in Spain and England. Victor Osman, come on from Napoli. What a fantastic player. The Nigerian star, only 22 years old, coming back from fitness. And now, because Napoli are eight wins from eight, a perfect start to Napoli season, Victor Osman is definitely one of the biggest reasons for me. He is fantastic. Hey, Jimmy, so Heath, James, I don't know. You, I think wait. you all bring good I, points. I, I, but I Victor Osman is the one. Hey, I thought Osman, I already expected that of him. Actually, Actually, for oh, me, okay. if, you're, if you're a real deep fan of the game, you knew he was going to do this. You know, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps he's uh, under underachieving uh, the expectations. Oh, wait, I wait, have wait, not wait, raised wait. the bar. Yeah. Are we in a parallel universe here? Because Luis Miguel at your right didn't go with someone from Aston Villa. So, like, no Buendia, no Danny Ings, you know, maybe he's nah. exceeding expectations. Listen, I was surprised there. Then we have Joel Matip's agent over here, James Banks. <laughs> I mean, talking about him being, like, the, the superstar – defender that i never thought that he was he just and, megatroned him he megatroned and, and, him. and then we have keith pierce who supports arsenal going with a manchester united young player and now there's <laughs> shouts that greenwood should be starting over saka kai saka for arsenal which is i don't know i don't know how you feel <laughs> no. about that i don't know what world i'm living in but you guys have clearly raised it to another level that's all i'm gonna well say. i'll tell you one thing that i'm very surprised at two former usmnt stars not talking about an american hey, in this given, window i was given parameters i was Same given here. parameters. you know i would say ricardo pepe and we could do this again in a, in a week no well barcelona ricardo. is in barcelona's oh, in this episode how I mean, did you not raise Dave, the bar on sergio des james yeah. bench i feel that we have won this one over these two former usmnt stars for not naming sergio he attacked him. He attacked well, him. Where he is attacked the our, our, he attacked our <laughs> prince, you know, and, and then said, that's not who you want in the attack. Well, where do you want him in the back? 
How can we have a civil discussion if James Bench is already taking shots at Serginho Dest prior to the segment? I mean, you just can't. We already know that he's extremely biased against Serginho Dest. So what are we going to do? I'm biased against the USA, man. USA, <laughs> that's where my bar is for them. Yeah. Well, I, I'll do everybody a favor here, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, James Bench, and say that all the choices, specifically this episode and this amazing weekend, we hope that you raise the bar on that one. That was racing the bar with Sonos Beam, and I'll be watching Aston Villa's victory over Arsenal, by the way, this Friday with my brand new Sonos Beam. And when Leon Bailey scores, the Sonic experience is going to be 10 out of 10 with that crystal clear and immersive sound of Dolby Atmos. Watching matches this weekend from El Clasico to Derby d'Italia, it will feel like you're right there in the stadium. And boys, guess what? Guess what, boys? What? 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 <laughs> the Sonos Beam is not just for watching soccer or other sports. It's got shows, movies, and it also has multiple uses. When the TV is off, you can stream Kego Lasso and other CBS Sports podcasts, listen to music, radio, audiobook, play video games, and much more using the Sonos app, Apple AirPlay, or with your own voice using Amazon Alexa or Google Assistant. The Sonos Beam is super intuitive, too. You don't need to be a sound engineer or have a major in maths like Jimmy Conrad to get the best audio fidelity on the market because I know I'm not and I don't have any of that and on top of all that the Sonos Beam is a thing of beauty even when it's not in use it looks like a piece of art with a sleek minimalist design that blends into any environment you know when James Bench goes on HQ and he has that beautiful painting behind him he can put his Sonos Beam right next to it it's going to look like he's in a museum and it has enormous sound system as well. Basically, aside from getting incredible sound, everybody, you'll also be getting an invite on Architectural Digest. That's basically what I'm telling you. So if you're in the market for an improved home theater experience, make sure to check out the Sonos Beam. Head over to Sonos.com to learn more. Welcome back, everybody, to Kigo Lasso Weekend Preview. And let's keep going in Europe here. Let's go to Serie A, by the way, the league that you can watch on Paramount+. Plus. We're talking Derby d'Italia first, Inter Milan against Juventus. Heath Pierce, I want to begin with you. Derby d'Italia, it's a massive one. Juventus, obviously, and Inter Milan as well, got some good victories in the Champions League. But now they face off against each other. What do you see here? Yeah, I really like uh, this Juventus team that's taking shape. It's built around a fight, a mentality. They're not playing well, but they're finding ways to get results. And I think that's a good foundation to build when you go through all the controversy of losing your star player. You lose your manager. You lose a little bit of your identity when you've won nine titles straight. You have to go back to a foundation of uh, humility. And uh, humility is a word that they've been using a lot in the team uh, I believe it was Bonucci that's been talking about that team's humility, that willingness to suffer together. And I think that's a strong foundation for them as a team. Obviously, uh, on the flip side, you're playing against an Inter Milan uh, side that's had 22 goals in their last match. So I expect this to be uh, uh, at least a, a decently scoring affair um, against a team like Juventus who are willing to suffer and play a 1-0 one -nil, one -nil win or a 0-0 draw. They're willing to grind that out and make you suffer for long periods. Inter Milan, on the other hand, want to open up the game. They want to play wide open. So overall, just a great matchup and kind of a, a flipping of the script in terms of what I would normally expect from a Juventus versus uh, Inter Milan match. Yeah, just picking up on what Heath says, I really do not like this humble, considerate, careful Juventus. That's not what we want. <laughs> what, you want Juventus. them to lose all the time? You want them to lose all the time? I mean, that's no, not but fun. They've got to be like, you know, they, they can't be aware of their circumstances and respectful of their opponents. They're the death star of Italian football. You know, <laughs> we, we expect Juventus to crush all beneath there. But actually, I mean, having said that, 
I think it's a real credit to to Max Allegri how, especially in the absence of Paolo Dybala, he's taken it back to basics. You know, this is this is grind city Juventus. This is a a team that's really hard to break down that aren't giving up easy chances. You know, even Roma, who I thought did pretty well in the in their their one nil loss. You know, they didn't create a huge number of of simple chances. Dybala as well, I believe, will be back this weekend. So I'm, I'm oh, that's big. Yeah, how Allegri stitches together both. You know can we get this attack moving a bit more? Cause they weren't great against Zenit whilst keeping those, those solid foundations at the back. I think he said after the Zenit game that Juve aren't there yet, but they'll have a chance to score Inter, as, as he said, they're scoring a lot, but they're giving up a lot of chances as well. I think it was only uh, my wonderful sheriff who, who haven't hit about one and a half XG against them uh, in recent games. So I'm leaning Juventus on this. I think, I think they just look a bit more balanced right now. Yeah, I agree with Bench. I, I think that uh, Juve do look a little bit more balanced. I think they've started to figure out that identity. And really, for me, it starts in the middle of midfield. They didn't know who that midfield was. And now it's starting to lean towards more Locatelli and Bentecourt. And I think those two players in particular know that they're going to be the two moving forward. And I think that gives the rest of the team confidence because we could talk about how good they are in the wings and up top, obviously a little spotty at times with Morata or Dybala and who's going to step in. No, Makesa. No well, McKinney for you there? McKinney, so, so this is, well, they were 4-4-2 against Roma, and they were 4-3-3 uh, midweek in, in the Champions League. So it's it's hard to know. McKinney was in the, the Champions League, one played and played and played well. I thought he was he was good. He was busy. He was active. So I think it might depend on the opponent and how you want to address it. But because they went 4-4-2 against Roma, I think they're going to go 4-4-2 again. Maybe Juan Cuadrado comes out and Danilo plays back at right, right back spot. Desiglio was very good midweek and he got that assist to Kulisevsky in the Champions League. So there's some options there. And I don't think that Allegri necessarily had that before, but it starts with that genesis in midfield because Bentecourt and Locatelli were both in both of those lineups. And then you could add a McKinney or you can add somebody else. So those are good problems to have. I will say Inter the highest scoring team in Serie A right now with 23 goals in eight games. So they're yeah. clearly lighting it up. But Juve have won four consecutive 1-0 uh, games and they've won six straight games overall. It's a really tough one. When I look at the matchups, I really want to see Jekko and Lataro Martinez against Benucci and Chiellini, though Delict started midweek. Uh, Chiesa versus Bastoni or, or DiMarco. I don't know who's going to start for Inter back there. And then Locatelli versus Barella. You got two young Italian internationals going up against each other. There's a lot of cool matchups here. I think this one's going to be tight. I think that Inter Milan know that if they get too stretched out, they're going to get punished and it's going to be hard to break down Juve. I like under two and a half goals plus 100 is, is where I'm leaning towards in this game. I like it. From three of you, I think I've created this narrative and I see it. It's just such a clash of styles, right? you got the conservative Juventus against the goal-friendly Inter Milan. But Inter Milan, by the way, are the team that Juventus have beaten the most times in Serie A. They've defeated them 85 times, 44 draws and 47 wins for the Nerazzurri. But to everybody's point, Juventus is looking a little bit better, but there's so many great matchups. Let's stay in Serie A, by the way, and let's talk about Roma against Napoli. This is Spalletti returning to the capital. Let's begin with you, Jimmy, uh, and talk to me about the game itself. And I'll come back to you on betting tips, but let's talk about this game, especially as Mourinho and Spalletti face off. Yeah, this is a good one. I mean, Spalletti did have two pretty successful stints at Roma, and it always seems to not necessarily end acrimoniously, but it, I don't know. Do any jobs end, in, in Italy end well? I don't think they do, per se, but but Spalletti did win uh, two Coppa Italias and a Super Coppa Italia when he was there. He got second place uh, when when uh, he took over his second stint there. So he's got a lot of success in, in the capital. And 
it's nice to see him having success with Napoli. He's done a great job, as we discussed with Victor Osiman. He is a fantastic player. They're really well-balanced, and Napoli have the best defense also in Serie A, and I think that's why they're probably on top of the table and have eight wins from eight. I mean, only giving up three goals in eight games is really something special. Roma, to Benj's point before, actually were pretty good against Juve last week. They had a better XG, just didn't really finish off their opportunities, and I really like what, what Mourinho's done. I know it's not easy to say that, especially on the attacking side of the ball, but Tammy Abraham has been fantastic. This is going to be a great game. I'm just trying to decide whether I think it's going to be wide open or if they're both going to elect to maybe be a little bit more pragmatic and cautious going forward. And what after I saw Juve-Roma, it, it's hard to say for sure, but but uh, I could see a draw here, like a 1-1. And if, if they do no, open it up a no, little bit, Jimmy, maybe a 2-2. No, you can't do that. Why? Mourinho doesn't <laughs> Mourinho doesn't believe in draws in Syria. He's five wins, three losses, and every time he loses, he goes back and wins. And and now after a loss, he's got to win this one. All so right. I, well, I, I, hope yeah. I hope that happens. I hope that happens. I will also say this before both of you keep going. There hasn't been a draw in the last nine meetings between these two teams. So, you know, there is that. But to Jimmy's they're point, they're due and it's 250. So you never know. Go ahead. He's- yeah, it is. It is. It is good value for that because it is. It does seem like it needs to be coming. Obviously, Napoli and and Roma, neither neither of which I think are one of the only few teams in the league that haven't drawn so far this season. So it could be one of those ones that no one wants to give up points. But I'd like to see stick with Roma. I want to see Roma stay in this and five and three to be in the top five with three losses in this uh, to start off the season. Seems bizarre to me. Uh, but if they're six and three, hey, they'll go up the table. Yeah, I really I wonder how they're going to close down that Napoli left flank. I mean, we know everything about Insigne. We've known that for years. Mario Rui as well is having a really nice season. Both of them, I think, are in in double double figures for chances created. Now, sometimes we just know what Mourinho is going to do. He's just going to shut the game down, make it a bit slow, make it difficult. But certainly, if he doesn't, then that then then I think Napoli can really rip through them down the left. We've seen them do that for for so many years now, and it's such a as much as Spalletti's had a real obvious impact I think part of it is just this is a really well-oiled machine in certain parts of the pitch like that left flank um I really like the way Napoli are playing right now obviously as we speak though they've both got European games to negotiate so I don't know if that will maybe tire out a few legs on uh, on the Napoli side I can't imagine Roma will be too unduly tested in the conference league though yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point about those uh, weak matches. By the way, how funny was it how when Mourinho, like, you know, discounted himself from the Newcastle job? Did anybody ask him? He just said it, right? By the way, no, I'm not going to go to Newcastle. It's like, did anybody it's, ask you, bro? Did he just lot, join? It's, it's like the Instagram influencers when they're like, a lot of you have been asking me. And you're like, no, no one asked you. You, you just wanted a reason to say it, you know? So everyone's That's been exactly asking me about, it. you know, these shoes I'm wearing. You're like, nah, we weren't that, we weren't that curious. You just wanted to tell us. I get so many questions about how to do this bun but i'm not gonna go to newcastle yeah that's exactly right there's a lot of managers that are like yeah i don't want to be the guy that does this newcastle job i just find it funny because you're not even being asked it's like it's like so so, uh any preparations to your weekend game listen i don't want the newcastle job i didn't ask you (laughs) (laughs) all right des norris let's put up those uh, remaining fixtures of city uh right there which by the way paramount plus as you can see anything that sticks uh, out to you jimmy uh, I want to see how Atalanta respond against uh, Udinese. I, I did think that uh, they're going to feel pretty hard done by giving up that two-goal lead against Manchester United. So I'm interested in that one. Uh, obviously, I want to see how AC Milan does as well. Um, I, they're a really fun team to watch. So I'm, I've got my eyes on them for sure. How about you, Bench? 
Yeah, that AC Milan game looks really good. I thought they were so disappointing against Porto. They'd, they'd had great games in those first two Champions League matches and then just just fell apart. So they need to get some momentum going if they're to both keep up their title challenge and get out of the group stage of the Champions League. Hey, guys, I'm going with Salernitana Empoli. I'm all about these promotion teams. Obviously, Salernitana, very bottom of the table. My very first trip to Italy was to Salerno. I got to see wonderful things. I got to play in that stadium, actually against Carlos Tevez in the youth national team game. That is Um, amazing. But but Empoli also uh, overperforming expectations. Traditionally, most teams go up and go down uh, when they Mm. get to Serie A. The, the division of wealth and uh, in, in that league and the way the money goes makes it very difficult for teams to go up and stay up. So this is one where we've seen Empoli starting to sort of humble them, uh, kind of humble out and level out a little bit. This could be an opportunity for Salernitana to show that they're not far off the gap and that they're improving in the season, not just going to sit at the bottom of the table. All right, great stuff. And that's Serie A on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports. We're going to wrap things up with another good game. And there you have it. Look, there it is. If you're watching on YouTube, oh, you got to love that. Who do you think that is, by the way? Who do you think that is? Did he kick you like right no, out there? Aguero, it's Aguero. It's Aguero. There it is. That's Aguero. Yeah. It looks. People. I used to post this photo on Instagram every every uh, every throwback day, like twice a week. No big deal. I would just keep on posting it over and over again. And every day. time, people would be like. Hey, that's not Aguero. That's Tevez. Because I'd be like, "Hey, had the opportunity to play against Aguero," and people are like, "No, that's Tevez." I was like, "Go back and look at the roster. I played in the game. I know who this is. I know it looks like uh, Tevez." <laughs> people I know, argue with that. I know I was playing during an era where it wasn't the most uh, yeah. pixelated uh, picture, but like, you <laughs> it's know, a packed I, stadium I, yeah. though. Yeah, is that Mascherano right there as well? Mascherano, like right there at the back. It looks like him, like a young Mascherano. They were probably talking about joining West Ham after what was that school. Uh, this was this. I think this was a zero zero or one one at at Giant Stadium. So yeah. crowd. It was a really really fun game. There was two sending offs in that match. It was it was uh it was wild. That was during the summer, by the way. Where I, I'll keep this short. We played uh, England at Wembley. We played Spain in Spain. Then we played uh, Argentina and New York, all within ten days. And then we started our qualifying against Barbados. Uh, <laughs> and we Barbados. won. Hey, we lost, lost, and then drew against uh, Argentina, and then we played Barbados in LA, beat them eight nil because obviously, you know, we were we, <laughs> we had our training camp all summer. We had to, you know, we we're we we're getting battered by the best teams in the world. It prepped us for that, and then yeah, we played the away game. That was when you had to qualify one round earlier in like a playoff match. But yeah, that was I love it. What summer was that again? What summer? What year was that? It was a long time ago. This was uh, two thousand eight. <laughs> 2008. Yeah, I was at home doing nothing. I love it. Uh, All right. Let's finish off, everybody, with Le Classique as Marseille host PSG. Sampaoli against Pochettino. Talking about Argentina, by the way, this is what we have. By the way, some news for for you. Obviously, uh, we talk about the velodrome effect here, uh, you know, the the home uh, of Marseille. But PSG fans have been banned from attending the match. Unsurprisingly, I must say, after violence continues to darken French football. Look, it's not just PSG fans. Uh, Marseille actually have been the recipient of many issues already in Liga. So this is a big deal here. But let's talk about this game. Uh, Jimmy, let's begin with you. How do you see this one? Marseille, PSG, PSG top, Marseille third. And by the way, all this talk we're talking about PSG, oh my God, they're in trouble. They're like pretty comfortable (laughs) leading the the, uh, Liga here. Yes, they are pretty comfortable, and and PSG have won 11 out of 13. So even though there feels like there's a lot of uncertainty around the club, they're still getting the results. They haven't 
maybe hit those heights that I think everybody expects given the amount of talent they have on the roster, but it's not gloom and doom as I think a lot of people like to make it out to be really quick about the fans. The ones that crack me up the most are the Nice fans. Cause it's, you know, it's spelled nice and they're not nice at all. Like <laughs> no. they're not nice fans. So I just want to throw that bad dad joke in there. What I'll say is that the last time they played uh, in Marseille, uh, it was two zero PSG. Uh, PSG also won in, in one of the cups two uh, one. Now, there's a famous game uh, back in 2020 where there was like 18 red cards at the end of the game and, and everybody was upset. Neymar got a red card in the 98th minute, uh, three red cards for PSG, two for Marseille. There's a lot of a lot of history here, a lot of friction between these two particular clubs. My concern really is more about tired legs. We saw that Bench talked about it with, a, with an earlier one. Um, I think that Lazio and Marseille play on a Thursday. PSG, I mean, had a great comeback against RB Leipzig to win three to two. Messi scored two in that one. They should have made it four to two. Mbappe missed the penalty. I just think that couple extra days of rest will end up making a difference because PSG can can step on the throats a little bit more of Marseille. They can try to play on the front foot and really lean into them maybe being a little bit tired because Marseille had to travel to Italy to play against Lazio. And we know with Maurizio Sarri being in charge of Lazio, they're going to want to keep the ball a little bit more and move Marseille around. I really do think that hurts them in this particular match. So that's of one of interest. Marseille actually having an okay season, but ran into a winless run of four. They just beat uh, Lorient last week, 4-1. So they kind of get them back into feeling good about themselves. We'll see how they play against Lazio. But one player to take a, keep in mind is uh, Dimitri Payet. I think that he's been fantastic, 34-year-old. He has five goals and four assists. I mean, he's really something special right now. I don't know what he's doing different. We always knew he was talented, but could he keep up that, that form consistently has always been, I think the big question mark for him, his, his area of the field, he played as a false nine in, in a lot of the games this year, but then Milik has come back and now is playing up top. And I think that if Milik plays and he's healthy and Payet can kind of like float and go around, I think that could hurt PSG a lot. They're going to give up some goals, but ultimately I like PSG to do it. I just think they're starting to find, who they are and what they're about. And and we could argue maybe they're better without Neymar on the team because I thought Mbappe and Messi were pretty dangerous when Neymar wasn't involved. Yeah, the roots of these these types of rivalries in, in France are, are pretty deep in terms of where they come from, right? Obviously, Marseille being sort of the entry point of, of Europe for a lot of the, the immigrants and what they stand for for the sort of blue-collar community versus Paris, which is metropolitan. And then mm-hmm. Nice is which they consider the most French or a little more of the nationalist uh, type of um uh, uh oh sorry Lyon uh, being more of a traditional french and things like that so there's all these different ties and if you go onto the actual uh wikipedia page of the history of this it's one of the longer wikipedias you'll find in terms of like it's got a, it, it, it's wild it's got a section for all the controversies of of this rivalry it's got a section for all of the violence of this rivalry dimitri pay by the way one of the guys who is the instigator for uh one of the big old uh issues that happened i think is september 2020 last time that uh, Marseille won this one. PSG have been far better traditionally since the takeover where they've uh, dumped a lot more money. I think Marseille have only won once or twice out of like 20 plus meetings since that takeover. So um, it, when Marseille are up near the top of the table, which they are now having a decent season, I like their chances. But PSG, even if they rotate right now and they were to drop these points, they're not in need of the points. They're cruising so much in the league right now that they can be a little more relaxed than a Marseille can who need these three points to stay in a title race. Yeah, I mean, what what's, what intrigues me about PSG is what will happen when they inevitably take the lead. I think you sort of see in the Champions League, I'm loath to engage in stereotypes, but watch me do it. They do get quite <laughs> diffident, quite disinterested, and they sort of are like, right, 
wake wake me up when the game's over or when I need to win the game again. And you know, when the, when they're ahead, they've been ahead for 129 minutes in the Champions League this season. Only created about 1.4 xg in that time because they just they don't seem yet to have got into the habit of killing games off. I think they just sit back and settle. And yeah. I do wonder how that will balance out against a Marseille team, which has a manager that will fight from minute one to minute 90 and has yeah. an awful lot of players, not least Matteo Guendouzi, who will fight from about two and a half hours before kickoff through to about <laughs> Tuesday afternoon, I would yeah. say. Everything I mean, that Marseille is about, basically. Yeah, yeah, you can tell, God, he's such a good, you know, you, you know why he didn't quite work at Arsenal and why he's working fantastically at Marseille. Um, re- been really impressed with uh, with what he's done. And he does bring that sort of fighting spirit, you know, put that in the velodrome. Maybe that all of these circumstances do just force PSG to wake up, get the game won and then deal with things from there. I mean, you know, for all I'm saying, this could be a bit of a banana skin. You still have to assume that that PSG will win. And, and I agree with Jimmy. I think they look, I don't think it necessarily has to be without Neymar, but I prefer them with two of the three than all three of the, the big three. I think it all gets a bit squashed. Messi gets in Verratti's way. Neymar doesn't get the ball where he wants it. And Mbappe doesn't get the ball where he wants it. So you've got to assume that PSG will win this quite comfortably. But I, I do think they need to up their intensity levels a little bit. Yeah, well, uh, also not forgetting Conrad de la Fuente will also hopefully feature in this one. But the other thing about Marseille is that, you know, as Jimmy was saying, you know, playing around with Payet and Milik is that they really infiltrate that midfield. They try and make it super toxic for everybody who plays. I don't know. I'm seeing a Payet showcase here. I'm, I think Dimitri Payet's going to absolutely. I don't know if Marseille will win, but I know that Payet will definitely do something. Let's do some quick predictions here. Jimmy, what do you think? Yeah, I got PSG winning this one 2-1. They only have two clean sheets in the last eight games in all competitions, PSG. I do like the Payet shout. Him scoring any times, plus 225. But PSG to win both teams to score is plus 190. I'm kind of leaning towards that. Uh, Mbappe does like to score first at times. He scored first against RB Leipzig. He's plus 350 to score first. So a couple values for everybody to check out. But I think PSG is going to have just enough. Unless Paul Lopez, the goalkeeper for Marseille, who we saw at Rome, he does stand on his head from time to time. So if he's feeling up to it and makes some some world-class saves, as we know he's capable of, maybe there's a draw there. But I don't see Marseille winning this. I'm going to go with, I'm going to oh, go oh, ahead. Heath, go ahead. No, 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 go I, ahead. I, I was just jumping in on and, and saying that I think there's actually some value in the draw in the plus 380 uh, or th- plus 325 on the draw there. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. see, I don't see Marseille winning this one. I think PSG have too much uh, to offer up in any one of these matches that it just feels a little bit weird writing them off. Very few games in a league on season. We saw last year, obviously different story, but for this season, it seems so far, very few league on games. They really have to get up for to win. They can play ugly and still get results just on pure quality. And this is one that I think they have to get up for, but I think a draw on a fight back from, from Marseille uh, and even a scoreless draw could even happen here. Bench. It's PSG, isn't it? It's just, you know, absolute superstars left, right and centre and I agree with everything that the guys have said, but I still think PSG will will win this 3-1. It, it might be quite comfortable, really. Yeah, by the way, don't expect a clean sheet, I think, because PSG have conceded 10 goals in the league, Marseille 11, and of course we'll see if that mounts up to how many yellows you'll see in this game. And that is your Kegolasso weekend preview. A massive, massive weekend. Before we say goodbye, I want some final thoughts here from anything that we have discussed or anything that you're looking ahead to. James Bench, let's begin with you. 
not even something we discussed, but another massive rivalry and one that you have to have to try and catch the highlights of at least. Ajax playing PSV Eindhoven this weekend. Ooh. Ajax are so good. I've just yeah. put them above <laughs> PSG in my power rankings. The way they're going, I think they'll be top of it by Christmas. This team is phenomenal. I love them. Great, great call on that one. Heath? Yeah, I, I think that's a, actually a great shout for anybody who's not watching. Uh, Ajax is always one that people just assume is going to drop into, you know, maybe go to a quarterfinal of the Champions League or maybe drop into Europa League because they've got sort of this funnel of players in and out. But they're one of the best teams in Europe, and they put a battering, obviously, on on Dortmund. But for me, it's actually just the playoff race in Major League Soccer to continue to watch that. You saw last night teams trying to creep in. All of the teams below the line with Vancouver with uh, on in the Western Conference, Vancouver, you've got Minnesota, you've got LAFC, all squeaking out come from behind wins. Uh, so it's starting to heat up who's going to be those final spots and you're seeing teams round into form. So if you're a domestic uh, football fan, tune into those. I'm going to concur with his sentiments, but I'm not talking about playoff implications. I'm going with the San Jose Earthquakes versus Vancouver and only because of the halftime show, because at halftime, they're honoring the team that won their first ever MLS Cup trophy, the 2001 team, 20-year reunion. Me, I'm going to be there with Landon Donovan. We're back on the field. For hey, the congrats, Jimmy. You're old. I'm You're old. old. I'm old. <laughs> and I get to see all of us looking overweight. It's going to be absolutely amazing. <laughs> but uh, it should be a lot of fun to be on the field again with some of my teammates that I haven't seen in many years and to reminisce about the good old days. So yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Hey, that is fantastic. Wait, man. I got I a, love I got, it. A, I got a trivia for James binge there. What was uh, the San Jose team called back then? James. <laughs> uh, quakes. Pre earthquakes. Uh, Before they were called earthquakes. San Jose Mourinho. <laughs> it's actually, I'll give you a hint, James Bench. It, 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 actually, no, I won't. I, I want to see you struggle more. There's a band. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. There's a band. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah they're a bit dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's San Jose Clash. Clash. Oh, cool. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Needs to, yeah. It needs to go back to that. Absolutely. It, it needs it to go back to that. I like San Jose Mourinho, though. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> By I the way, Mourinho is not interested in the San Jose uh, job unless uh, uh, anything else happened. But that's <laughs> it. That's your weekend preview. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Heath Pierce, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. James Bench, thank you for being such a raising the bar individual. I always raise the bug, Louis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod. We're on CBS Sports, your CBS Sports app. YouTube, press that notification bell for all the episodes. I really hope, we really hope you keep following us and enjoy the game. We will be back with the Sunday recap. We'll see you then. Have a great one. 